Good morning, brothers and sisters. It's a wonderful blessing to be able to come and present this message to you today. Uh, it is real a pity that um, I can't do this in person. Um, I had planned to present this message uh, on my last weekend before I actually left for uh, Cobar, New South Wales. So, unfortunately, it was not the Lord's will for me to present it in person. Um, so I have recorded, um, I will record this message and um, uh, Pastor Frank will then uh, present it on, on the YouTube channel as well. So um, today's message um, is called Redeeming the Time. So before we start, I'd just like to open with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do thank you again for this opportunity where um, you've given me this opportunity to present a message to my brothers and sisters in you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that this message today would be a blessing to everyone who hears it, Lord and that they may come to redeem the time that they have and understand their need of a Saviour, Lord. We pray that, Lord, as uh, I present this message, that you'd hide me behind your cross and that I would speak, that you would speak through me, Lord, and not that through my own words or my own thoughts, but that your words would be the words that would reach each and every soul that hears it, Lord, especially those that are lost, Lord, that they may come to the saving knowledge of you, Lord. Also, Lord, we do thank you for all those that are saved in Christ, Lord, that they also may look at this message and also consider the time that they have left and that they may get busy to do your will. We ask this in Jesus, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Alright, <clears throat> today's message is called Redeeming the Time. So, this, uh, this term, Redeeming the Time, is actually found in two places in the New Testament, in the King James Bible. The first is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. And the second is in Colossians chapter 4, verses 5. Okay, so the one I want to look at in particular today is actually Ephesians chapter 5, verses 14 to 17. So if we actually just look at, look at um, um, this Ephesians chapter 5, verses 14 to 17. So we turn there and have a read through it. Okay, so the first one it says here, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake, thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So, in this verse, we actually see that in verse 16, it says that we need to redeem the, uh, the time because the days are evil. So the first question we have to actually ask ourselves is, are the days actually evil? And I suppose a good way to look at that is to actually look at our democratic society that, uh, that we have. And what normally happens is the leaders that we have represent the, the choice of the voters. So society itself uh, chooses their leaders. So the state of ours in Victoria um, uh, has chosen um, Daniel Andrews as their premier and as their leader. So the condition of the state of Victoria can be related to the condition of what leader they have in their, in, as their leaders and uh, the, the condition of his uh, leadership. So the current Premier of Victoria, 2021, is Daniel Andrews. Now, 
Daniel Andrews has been the leader of the Labour Party since um, 2010. Sorry, the Labour Party in Victoria for since 2010. So I'm going to give you a rundown a little bit of his history and um, who Daniel Andrews is and what he's done uh, to reflect, uh, to give you an idea of what that reflects in our society and what our society as a whole has accepted and allowed him as their leader to guide the state in the path that it currently is in. So in 2008, Daniel Andrews was the health minister of Victoria. And this man played a major role in passing a bill known as the abortion uh, abortion to birth legislation. So now you may uh, ask yourself the question, what does that actually mean? What is, does abortion to birth legislation do? What does it mean? Well, what he did, he passed the bill to allow one to kill a baby from the conception even uh, to even after the baby is born alive. So that allow the law allows the doctors to kill a child from conception to the time that they were born and to the time after they were born. So there were a number of, number of amendments that some people re re requested at that time to this legislation. But, um, and I'll go through some of that now, but Daniel Andrews voted against all of them. Daniel Andrews voted against pain relief to babies being dismembered during abortions. Daniel, Daniel Andrews also voted against rendering medical care to babies born alive after failed abortions. What that means is that a baby that's born alive is left to die without medical care whatsoever. And that's what Daniel Andrews voted for. He voted against rendering medical care to babies born alive after failed abortions. Daniel Andrews also voted against banning partial birth abortions. And what a partial birth abortion is, is a practice where a baby is partially delivered and then killed while it is partially being delivered. Daniel Andrews also voted against reporting suspected child abuse victims at abortion clinics. So if a child abuse victim are presented at the abortion clinic, um, they're never reported. He also voted against providing women impartial decisions, uh, making counseling against abortions. Now, one thing that Daniel Andrews claims to be, he claims to be a Catholic. However, after he voted against all the abortion to birth amendments against them, he said, and I quote, I'm not a Catholic minister. I am a Victorian health minister. The Bible says, a Bible says, thou shalt not kill, irrespective if you're Catholic or a Victorian health minister. Dozens of babies have been born alive and left to die since this law was passed unamended. <clears throat> so turn to Leviticus 
chapter 18, verses 21. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 21 says, And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. This tells us that the children of Israel were not to let their children pass through the fire to Molech. So what actually does that mean? Well, Molech was a Canaanite deity whose worship involved child sacrifice. Moloch is typically portrayed as a brass bull, a headed idol, with outstretched arms or hands. A fire was typically made inside of this idol and the hands would get red hot. The priests of Moloch would then offer babies, usually the firstborn child, unto the hands of Moloch. Now around the altar were other men which would be blowing trumpets and beating drums so that no one could hear the poor little child's cries. So how does that relate to Daniel Andrews? Well, in 2015, Daniel Andrews passed the safe access zones. That is a hundred meter buffer around all abortion clinics where communication on the subject of abortions, which can be heard or seen, was banned. This made it a criminal offence to counsel someone against abortion on the way to the clinics. So you ask yourself this question, is this not the same of silencing the cries of a little child not wanting to be aborted? Is this not the same as the Canaanites who are offering the children to Molech and the child's cries are silenced by the, the, the drums and the beating of the uh, drums and the trumpets? Daniel Andrews has done that with legislation, whereas in the old days they used to do it with trumpets and drums. So we have to ourselves, ask ourselves a question, are we not in the same condemnation which God destroyed the Canaanites and drove them from the land for offering innocent children to devils? Some might say, why are you bringing this topic up? Well, let's just look a little bit further down in Leviticus chapter 20 verses 1 to 5. Leviticus 20 verses 1 to 5. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Again, thou shalt say to the children of Israel, Whosoever he be of the children of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn in Israel, that giveth any of his seed unto Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones, and I will set my face against that man, and will cut him off from among his people, because he hath given his seed unto Molech, to defile my sanctuary, and to profane my holy name. And here's the important thing. And if the people of the land do anywise hide their eyes from the man when he giveth his seed unto Molech and kill him not, then I'll set my face against that man 
and against his family and will cut him off and all that go whoring after him to commit whoredom with Molech from among their people. Verse 4 tells us not to hide our eyes against the evil, but to proclaim it, so that the blood of these innocent children be not on our hands. In the Old Testament times, these people would have been stoned and destroyed. However, in the New Testament times, we are to call out this evil and allow God to judge them, which He will do in His time. In 2015, another thing happened. The head of the Labour Party removed the specialised religious education from school. In 2010, going back, Daniel Andrews introduced and funded the Safe School Programme. Programme sounds really good, doesn't it? Safe School Programme. However, the programme included explicit advice on sexual activity, being transsexual, chest binding, and the, and the like. When the federal government said they wanted to review the material, Daniel Andrews proudly said, if the federal government decides to cut funding, the Victorian government will make up the shortfall. Safe school is officially saved in Victoria. I get my policy from advice from experts, not bigots. In 2015, guidelines were issued banning singing of Christmas hymns that glorified God. Students were not to sing any carols which welcomed the birth of Christ, including Silent Night and Away in the Manger. In 2017, Victoria became the first state to legalize euthanasia, apart from a brief episode in 1995 in the Northern Territory. When this le legislation was passed, Mr. Andrews gave Jill Hennessy, the Health Minister, a hug when that was passed. In 2015, Daniel Andrews created the nation's uh, first Equality Minister. He appointed a full-time Gender and Sexuality Commission to advocate LGBTIQ plus issues. In 2015, Daniel Andrews legalized same-sex adoption. He was also the first Premier to walk in the Pride March. In 2019, Daniel Andrews passed laws that allowed a person to change their sex on their birth certificate, even if they had no medical treatment. The Andrews government provided funding for a pride centre in St Kilda, which was opened in 2021, and Daniel Andrews was raising the rainbow flag in 2021. Daniel Andrews is pushing hard to make the homosexuality and sodomy part of mainstream Victoria. Homosexuality is sodomy 
and God hates sodomy. Let's just turn to Genesis chapter 18. And see what it says in Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18 verses 20. Genesis chapter 18 verses 20. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because of their sin is very grievous. The, words, the word sodomy comes from Sodom and Gomorrah. And God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of sodomy. Let's just turn to Leviticus as well, just to chapter 18, verse 22. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22. says <clears throat> thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind it is an abomination homosexuality is an abomination before God a quote from Charles Spurgeon Charles Spurgeon said concerning homosexuality this once brought hell out of heaven on Sodom are we not in the same condemnation as Sodom? Will not God judge us in like manner? In 2021, Daniel Andrews passed the Change and Suppression Bill. Now this bill imposes a massive criminal penalties on doctors, medical professionals, pastors, people of faith and parents for things as mild as giving advice or praying or conversations with your children. This bill is deemed medically inappropriate by the Australian Medical Association, legally inappropriate according to the Law Institute of Victoria, and singularly targeting faith communities for things like prayer, making parents potential domestic abusers for counselling their own children empowering bureaucrats to police, control and re-educate faith communities. This is one of the most draconian legislations in the world. Now we ask ourselves the question, the last point there saying empowering bureaucrats to police, control and re-educate faith communities. Think about that for a moment. Does that not that last point not remind you of what's happening in China at the moment? What the Chinese government is doing the, to the Uyghurs in Xinjiang, where scores and scores and millions of uh, Uyghurs are being sent to re-education camps, so they can be re-educated from their Islamic beliefs. There's a lot more that I could go on with in terms of highlighting some of the issues of which what, what the government has implemented. And this is all through the will of the people. But the purpose of the sermon is to actually highlight the times that we're living in. Highlighting that times is indeed evil. We'll just turn to Revelation chapter 2. 
verses 19. Revelation chapter 2, <clears throat> verses 19. Revelation 2, verses 19 to 23. Revelation 2.19 says, I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to do more, uh, to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent for of her fornications, and she repented not. Behold, I'll cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her, except uh, with her into a great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I'll kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the and the reins and the hearts, and I give unto every one of you according to your works. Another interesting thing, though, is if you look and you put Jan Daniel's Andrew's name, where you see Jezebel, it fits like a glove. It says there, I know thy works. No, it says, Not, uh, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou hast suffered that woman, Daniel Andrews, which calleth himself a prophetess, or prophet, by teaching and seducing my servants to commit fornications and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornications, and she repented not. So, the warning to true Christians is in verse 20. Is The warning is not to suffer, or to permit, or allow the teachings to be seduced by Jezebel. So, in, in March 2021, Daniel Andrews fell some down, down some stairs while he was on holiday. And um, apparently fell some down some stairs. We should use those words. And in, apparently injured his back. And he was off for three months. Uh, because he severely injured himself from falling down some stairs. Now I think if you look at verse 21. It says there. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication. And she repented not. I think that verse 21 is relevant to Daniel Andrews. That I gave her space to repent. I believe God in his mercy gave Daniel Andrews a space of three months to reflect on his life, his works, and his eternity. To repent and to, to return to Christ as his Savior. The question is, did he make use of that time? Did he redeem that time that he had, three months? Has he repented of his evil that he's done? It does not appear so. Daniel Andrews is pushing to remove the Lord's Prayer from the opening of Parliament. He has put this on hold at the moment due to this social backlash that is going, in, uh, that is going on because of that. And we have a new election in 2022 and um, he doesn't want to focus on the social backlash of removing the Lord's Prayer, but rather wishes to focus on the construction and 
um, things that has been built and uh, new bridges and tunnels and stuff like that as opposed to the social issues of removing the Lord's Prayer but he has promised that if they do win the federal election I'm sorry if they do win the um, local uh, election um, the state election in 22 and 2022 um, it's going to he's going to bring it back to the forefront and remove the Lord's Prayer from the opening of Parliament in 2022 I would just um, I would almost counsel Daniel Andrews just to read the rest of Revelations um, 2 20 to 21 which says and I gave her space to repent of her fornication and she repented not behold I'll cast her into a bed and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation except they repent of their deeds he should repent and fall on the mercy of Almighty God and not harden his heart as did Pharaoh so we should go back to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 16 read back Ephesians chapter 5 verse 16 And it says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, we have established that, day, that days are indeed evil. So what does, that actually, what does that actually mean? What does it actually mean to redeem the time? So what it means to redeem, the word redeem means to buy something back or to regain possession of it. So what does that mean, redeeming the time? We cannot go back in time to make take possession of the time that's gone by. I'm sure that each and every one of us, if we had that wonderful privilege to go back in time, to actually redeem the time, we would change a lot of the dumb things that we might have done in our lives. And um, those of us who are believers and Christians would have turned to the Lord Jesus Christ at a much, much younger age and had a life full of service for him. So the redeeming of the time means that the time that we have here on earth is limited. God has given us an allotted time in which to choose and to make decisions. And those decisions that we choose will have eternal consequences. Not temporal, not short term, but eternal consequences. Redeeming the time means that we have to be constantly aware that time is actually ticking away. Imagine now that I was, for instance, a medical doctor. And then you came to me uh, because you had some nagging cough or maybe a nagging pain in your chest or something like that. So, like a good doctor that I am, I send you for a whole bunch of tests. I'll go for um, these tests are going to help me to diagnose your little problem and see if I can help you and heal you with my medical knowledge. So I'd send you out for some blood tests, maybe some urine tests, and x-rays, maybe MRI scans, and, and all those type of things. And at the end of all the scans and tests and um, um, results, which I'll try, and when I get the results back, I get back together with you. 
um, and I'll have the results in front of me and I'll say, oh, oh man, sorry, um, son or Mr. So-and-so or ma'am, I have some really bad news for you. I've run these tests a number of times. I've consulted with the best physicians in the country. I've had second opinions, third opinions, and they all agreed that you have an aggressive, incurable cancer and that you only have six months to live. Six months to live. Six months. What would you say? What do you do? You might say to Doctor, is there not some kind of mistake? And I said, look, we've rerun these tests a number of times. We've taken new samples from you and um, all the tests have had multiple second opinions and the prognosis is still the same. I would say to you, look, I would recommend that you get your house in order, get all your stuff um, prepared. You know, um, you don't have a lot of time. So I would just recommend that you just set your house in order, get everything ready and prepare and all that for the, for, you know, you don't have a lot of time there. What will you do when you leave my office? What will you say? Would you say like, what shall I do? Indeed, what would you do? If I said to you today, right now, that you had six months left to live. Anyone here is watching this video. What would you actually do? You might say, I've always wanted to go and see the pyramids, for instance. So you might say, well, you know, I've only got six months to live. I'll probably sell my house, my car, and all that. And I'll go on my trip to the pyramids. I'll find any way I can to get there, you know, with even COVID restrictions. You might say, oh, well, I'll rent a boat or hire a private plane or um, you know, get some way and somehow doesn't matter how expensive the plane fare might be or how expensive the route will be so that you can go and see your final pyramids or you might want to say look I want to go sailing I just want to go and spend some time on the sea um, you know contemplate things and you might say okay and I'll sell my goods and go on a yachting course and you know, the remainder of my time I'll just go sailing the seas and go to the nice Caribbean or to um, the Pacific Islands or something like that and just enjoy my time along the little islands and the beaches and you know just uh, enjoy the rest of my time just enjoying the wonders of nature and the wonderful beautiful sceneries warm water um, maybe coral reefs and stuff like that you maybe want to go up to the north of um, Australia the Great Barrier Reef and all that type of thing maybe you want to do that spend the remainder of your time or maybe you'll decide look hey I'm you know I've got a lot of family all around the world I'll try my best to go and see all my family members at least one last time oh I really miss seeing my my sister or I would love to see my my brother or my uncle my aunt um, maybe your parents or something like that and say look you know look I don't have much time left I don't have much need of the money the money is not going to be worth anything to me might as well use it because I'm going to be dead in six months time so you might want to go and visit your family and go around and see how see all of them I'll ask you the question would anyone really seriously think about staying at work at their job 
well, would anyone really say, I'll just stick in my job and work for my retirement? I don't think so. Most, if not everyone, would redeem the time that they have left. They would assess the time that they have left and make the most of it. Building a retirement nest egg or building a property portfolio for retirement would be the furthest thing from your mind. The Bible says that everyone has a terminal disease. And the reality is it's true. And that disease is called sin. Each one of us here has known someone who has died. Whether it be a grandparent, maybe an old friend, um, an uncle, an aunt, maybe even a parent. There's no one, that, no one here that knows anyone that is still alive from two, three hundred years ago. Everyone from that generation is dead. They all died. And what is that disease that has killed everyone? That disease is called sin. Sin is the cause of death. So let's just turn to Romans chapter 3, verses 23. Romans chapter 3, verses 23. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That sin is like that aggressive cancer that is trying to kill us. Each and every one of us will succumb to it in death, sooner or later. We are oblivious, we are oblivious to sin. We have that nagging conscience that tells us there is something wrong, but we don't know what is wrong. We try going to many doctors to try and find out what's wrong. We go to the doctor of good works, for instance, but that doesn't help. We go to the doctor of religion, but that doesn't work either. We go to the doctor of atheism, that doesn't work either. Then we turn to the Bible, and the Bible diagnoses the problem as sin. A problem that is the cause of your approaching death. Romans chapter 6 verses 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The wages, the payment of sin is death, eternal death. That is what the cause of our demise is. That is the cause of our aging. That is the cause of our slowly dying in this world it's a terminal disease each and every one of us has we are dying and no one I saw on the news the other day that Jeff Bezos is trying to put money into uh, progressing life or making lives longer and youthful but that's not going to help because there's no one that succeeded in conquering death save one and that is the Lord Jesus Christ now Imagine that, again, we go back to my doctor's analogy, that you're in my doctor's office, and while I was speaking to you and explaining to you that you only have six months left to live, the nurse knocks on the door and comes in. She excitedly hands me a paper, and I read it. 
and the joy in my face and the smile on my face puzzles you. I've just told you that you've got six months to live and why would I be smiling in a time when it's very um, uh, traumatic for you? After reading the paper and smiling, I say unto you, Sir or ma'am, I have some fantastic news. There's a great doctor in the USA that has just found a cure for your cancer. And what would you say? You would say, fantastic. You would say, fantastic. How do I get this cure? And after reading through the news, the letter news, I'll say, well, the treatment is very, very expensive. You'll have to travel to the USA. You have to stay there for 12 months. You need to support yourself by selling your house and pay for the treatment. But you are guaranteed to be healed and you'll live for another 50 years. What would you do? Would you sell what you have and get that treatment? Most people would jump at the chance and say, where do I sign up? Well, my friend, you are in that, that, that same exact predicament. You are dying. I'm dying. You may have seen your parents die, or maybe, as I said, your grandparents or friend. Everyone has encountered death. Let me just turn to Genesis chapter 5. We're going to read Genesis 5, verses 5 to 20. And it's very interesting why I want to read through this. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 5, verse 5 to 20. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 uh, and 30 years, and he died. And Seth lived 105 years, and he begat Enos, and Seth lived after he begat Enos 807 years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And Enos lived 90 years, and begat Kain, and Kainin, Nan. And Enos lived after he begat Kainin, Nan, 815 years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos was 905 years, and he died. Kainan lived 70 years and begat Mahalalel, and Kainan lived after he begat Mahalalel 840 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Kainan were 910 years and he died. And Mahalalel lived six uh, and five years, sixty and five years, and begat Jared. And Mahalalel lived after he begat Jared eight hundred and thirty years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahalalel was eight hundred ninety and five years, and he died. And Jared lived nine uh, hundred and sixty and two years, and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch eight hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 960 and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived, um, sorry, so we go up to, to verse 20. Now it's very interesting we've just read through all that, that whole passage there of um, the generations from Adam to um, uh, Jared. 
And if you look at all those verses, it doesn't matter how long you live on this earth, eventually you will die. Maybe sooner, maybe later. Everyone will eventually die. So if you look at the verses there in particular, we see that Adam died after 930 years, Seth died after 912 years, Enos died after 905 years. They all died, every single one of them. It is a, everyone will eventually die. It's a scientific fact. It's observable and reproducible. So where does death come from? Were we always meant to die? Or did something else happen? Just turn back now a couple of books to Genesis. Like, sorry, a couple of chapters, sorry, to Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. And it says here, 15 to 17, it says, And the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, to, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God created man not to die, but to live forever. God gave one commandment to Adam to obey, which was in verse 17, which says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That So that one commandment to obey in verse 17, that he should not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God warned Adam that if he did eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil, he would die. So we look at Genesis chapter one verses, uh, Genesis chapter three verses one to seven. It says, "Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the, uh, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden." God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall surely not die, for God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and did eat. And the eyes of them were both opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made them aprons, and they uh, made, made them aprons. <clears throat> so in the day that Adam ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he began to die. And we read earlier that he lived 930 years. In that day, Adam ate of the. Uh, in the day that Adam ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He began to die, <clears throat> and we saw in Genesis chapter five, verse five, that Adam lived nine hundred and thirty years, and he died. 
It took a long time for the sin of disobedience to kill Adam. But eventually, sin got its man, and Adam died. Now, my friend, the disease that is killing you is sin. Every sin that you do brings you closer to the grave. You have, have you stolen anything lately? Yes. Did you say yes? Well, that sin, that cancer of sin, grows. And starts to kill you more and more. Have you lied today? Or yesterday? Well, that cancer of sin keeps on growing. Every sin brings you closer and closer to death. The question you have to ask yourself is, are you prepared for your upcoming death? We're all going to die. Are you prepared for it? Turn to Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 says, <clears throat> And as it is appointed unto men, once to die, but after this, the judgment. This verse tells us that it is appointed once to die. You have an appointment with death, but only one death. There's no reincarnation. There's no special place that you go to. You die once, but after that death, the Bible says there is a judgment. The judgment that you're going to face is whether you're going to heaven or whether you're going to hell. And everyone knows this internally, slowly but surely. Everyone believes that there is a place for um, those that have done right and those that have done wrong. It's inherent in us to know this thing. You're going to stand before Jesus and he will judge you. What will you say to him when he says to you, state your case why I should let you into heaven? What will you say to Jesus Christ? Your judge. What will your defense be? Will your defense be, I led a good life. Yeah, I really was a really good man. I gave money to your churches. I helped the poor. I led a holy life. I did not drink any alcohol or took drugs. I didn't sleep around. I did everything in moderation. Um, I built schools. I, I vaccinated people, especially underprivileged people who couldn't afford vaccinations. I allowed that to happen and had my foundations that did all these things. I did all these wonderful things to help man mankind and humanity, and, you know, help alleviate pain and suffering. But what will Jesus Christ say to you when he hears your defense, when you say things like that? Will he say, well done? What will he say? Jesus will say, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devils 
and his angels. And as the angels lead you away from Christ to the lake of fire, to cast you where you'll spend eternity in torment, you shall say, Righteous and holy is the Lamb. Righteous and holy is Jesus Christ, the Lord. Are you willing to go to that place of eternal torment? Or would your defense be slightly different? Would your defense be when you come to Christ on the throne and say, Lord Jesus, I am indeed a wicked man. I am a fornicator. I am a drunkard. I am a liar. I am a thief. Every perversion in the Bible I have committed. I have broken your laws numerous times. I am desperately wicked. And Jesus will say, why should I then let you into heaven, seeing you as such a wicked person? What would you say? Will your testimony be, will your testimony be something like this, Lord Jesus? I was chasing after happiness and joy, happiness and peace. And all these things I found were fleeting and only temporary. I turned to religion and pursued all religions with all my might. But again, I found them hollow and empty. Finally, I came across a small church which preached the Bible. I heard from the Bible that I was a sinner before God and that hell was my just reward. The more I heard, the more I was brought under the conviction of the Holy, by the Holy Spirit of my need of a Savior. The burden of my sin was more than I could bear and the impending judgment before me which I, which I now stand, was too terrible for me. I then heard the wonderful good news of the gospel message. How God loved me so much. He sent you, Jesus, the sinless Lamb of God, to die on that cruel cross for me. I heard how you were buried, and then after three days you rose from the grave. I heard that all who repented of their sin and, her, and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ would be saved. I then repented and believed on you, Lord Jesus Christ, as my Savior, and your shed blood washed me as white as snow. And what will Jesus then say? Jesus will say, Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Everyone now at the moment is worried about COVID. But irrespective of COVID, death stalks each and every one of us. How old are you? Think about that for now. What is your age? How long do you think you are going to live? 60 years? 70 years, 80 years. 
Ask Dustin Diamond. Who is Dustin Diamond? Well, Dustin Diamond died at age 44 in February 2021, just three weeks after being diagnosed with small cell carcinoma. Three weeks from diagnosis to death. Three weeks. Or Chadwick Boseman, the Black Panther actor, who died at age 43 in August 2020 after battling colon cancer for four years. Ask Kobe Bryant, who died in a helicopter accident in January 2022, age 41. His daughter also died in the plane crash, age 13. Death approaches us at any time, and it can take us at any time. Doesn't matter how old you are, from age 13, age 40, age 30, age 20. And there have been many, many different other examples that I could probably use in terms of showing people's age at which they died. The COVID restrictions imposed by Daniel Andrews on Victoria has forced many people and families to stay at home. Are you redeeming that time given to you? Have you used that time to think about your future? Have you thought what happens after death? Where will you be going? To heaven or to hell? Redeem the time while you have time. Your eternal soul depends on this.